Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors and the stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. In 2020, they created Friends in Fiction to provide author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing and to highlight independent bookstores. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everyone. Good evening. And it's time to welcome you to Friends and Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. I'm Patty Callahan Henry, and I'm hosting tonight, and we are thrilled that you're here with us. Hi, I'm Mary Alice Monroe. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. <laughs> I lost my place. <laughs> that's that's who you are. And that's <laughs> who you are. Okay, I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. And as you know, part of our mission from the inception of this show is to support independent booksellers. And this week, we are supporting Wellesley Bookstore in Boston. And you can too. And we will talk about that in a bit. But we have quite the night ahead of us as we will be diving into the world of Kristen Hanna, the New York Times bestselling author and now the co-producer of the number one Netflix series, Firefly Lane. We'll be hearing about the deep and incredible research she did for the extraordinary and instant number one. You're going to get tired of hearing the word number one tonight. New York <laughs> Times bestseller, The Four Wins. We're going to talk about reinventing yourself, about writing from the heart, and we just might ask her how it feels to be number one in everything in one week's time. Everything. In other words, tonight winning. we are winning. welcoming <laughs> winning. We are welcoming the KH Club because we have Christy, Kristen, and Kristen all with the last name that starts with an H. And I am actually a Kristen with an I N also. Isn't I just go by Kristen. Crazy? Yes, it is crazy. So Mary Kay, Mary Alice, and I are talking about forming our own club, but we don't know what it's <laughs> going to be called yet. So any ideas of our club name are welcome in the comments. <laughs> and you know, my real name, um, or, you know, my father, when I took on the student American Andrew said, what, what is your alias again? Uh, but my alias. Real name, yeah, alias. I said, Daddy, that's for criminals. Um <laughs> My real name is Kathy Hogan, so I'm another K H. Another K H. Yeah. And but I want to talk about another Kathy, Kathy Cunningham, who uh, is the founder of Mama Geraldine's, and she was an unsuccessful. Well, she was successful, but unfulfilled radio executive in Atlanta. And one night, while she was doing what we all do, sipping wine. And snacking on expensive cheese straws, she realized her mother, her Mama Geraldine's own cheese straws were way better. And so that's how the idea for Mama Geraldine's was born. Mama Geraldine's cheese straws now come in six varieties. They are the best-selling cheese straw in the U.S. And the cookies are lovely, too. 
And so, you know, yummy snacks and woman owned empire. And my other thing that I love about them now, they have the little individual packs. And so, you know, if you're having people over and people are worried about, you know, cross contamination, ah, you can, yeah. you can just put your little bit snack packages out. And the other thing is that way other people aren't stealing your snacks. Ah, good yes. thinking. Right. I so, like it. We want, we hope you all get behind a woman owned empire like Mama Geraldine's and like Friends in Fiction. This is our little empire. Yeah. Um, we haven't elected an empress yet. We're taking, <laughs> we're taking, nomin- we're taking nominations. So we it can't be somebody with the name Kristen. I'm just it's, saying. It's just, honestly probably going to be Kristen Hanna, given how yeah, the week's gone yeah, for her. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> We hope that you will try Mama Geraldine's and you will be glad you did. And plus you get 20% off on your online online order with the code, all caps, FAB5. Awesome. And we also want to mention our partner, uh, Page One Books, who offer a book subscription package that we absolutely love. So what happens basically is when you subscribe, you fill out um, a survey and tell them what you like, what you don't like, you know, the, the things that interest you about books. Like and books each- all are by Christians. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So you can just check the KH box and, and it's fine. You'll just get a steady diet of Kristen Hanna, Christy Winston Harvey and Kristen Harmel. No, I'm kidding. So when you subscribe, they hand select books for you each month based on those preferences that you've expressed and also based on their book knowledge. And because the reads are actually being chosen by real live independent booksellers, as opposed to an algorithm, you know, you're getting something that's really personally suited for you, really personally chosen for you. So the subscription package, which can run three, six, or 12 months is a perfect gift for a book lover, even if that book lover is you, which I like. It's always nice to buy yourself a gift, right? So first time subscribers get 10% off with the code FAB5 at page1books.com. But Patty, I know you were going to try to jump on me and bring in our guests, but it's not time to make this like a three Kristen segment quite yet. Because before you do, um, we have something for all of you out there. Erica, do you have a video you can play for us? Hi, it's Kristen Harmel from Friends in Fiction, and I'm here with Christy Woodson Harvey, Mary Kay Andrews, and Mary Alice Monroe to tell you all about why we love Surviving Savannah, out March 9th from our dear friend, Patty Callahan. No one can turn a phrase like Patty Callahan. The language in this book is breathtaking. I was on that ship. Patty Callahan breathes new and compelling life into a forgotten chapter of Savannah history with Surviving Savannah. Patty Callahan writes from her heart into the hearts of her characters, straight into yours. You will love this book. And for me, that message of how we can all survive the surviving really hit home, especially in the midst of these strange times we find ourselves in now. Surviving Savannah is the sweeping story of the Titanic of the South. Order now wherever books are sold. You're going to love it. Okay, you guys. Okay. So I am wearing contacts live in our first show, and that was probably not a good idea. So everybody out there, they did that behind my back. 
And if anybody <laughs> is going to do something behind your back, let it be that. We're doing other sneaky things. I don't know if yeah, we don't. Uh, we're not going to say what, yeah. but we love you. We love your book. Yeah, yeah. I, I keyed your car today. <laughs> I, I would have noticed that. All right, it is time to bring on the Kristen Hannah. Could you bring Kristen in, please, Erica? Yay! Welcome, Kristen. We are so happy that you're with us during these extraordinary weeks in your life. And I think we're going to have to choose some rapper names tonight. <laughs> because so many Christies and Christians. So if we get, if we get mixed up, we, we will do that. Well, welcome, Kristen. We're so glad you're here. I am so glad to be here, too. I think I was one of your first guests. So it's really sure. exciting. I'm number one. It's exciting to be yep. back. You're always number one. I know. Yeah, yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. You're going to number one. That's crazy. You're the OG. Yes, you are first. You're yeah. first. It's and amazing. it was memorable. Anyone who hasn't seen the episode yeah. can go to our website and look at, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I should go back. That's exactly right. And um, Kristen was on her phone. It was pretty funny. It was our early days, but it was great. It was great. Well, Kristen, as you know, and as I think a lot of you out there know, we have partnered with Parade.com, and we are writing an essay each week for their online magazine. And so um, this week, I got to write about um, the joy of unexpected snow days, or really just an unexpected day off, especially you know when you're a child and it's magical and fun. And Kristen, I saw all your snow photos in the Pacific Northwest, and it looked like Wonderland. Um, and so I'm sure they're not uncommon where you are. They're a little more uncommon where I am. Um, but once I read that you said writing has become such a part of you that if you go more than a day or two without of it, without it, you feel on edge. And as writers, you know, there are no office hours. So I'm just wondering, what do you think? I mean, do we ever even in our heads take a day off? You know, that is such an interesting question, Christy. Um, and the longer I've done this, you know, my answers to these kinds of questions change. You know, I've been doing this 30 yeah. years and, you know, mm -hmm. now we're 24 novels. And I would say like in the last five years, I do take more time off now. And it's been an interesting thing because, you know, I, I was for many, many years on a book a year cycle. Yeah. And what that means in the real world is, finish a book and you get an idea very quickly and you move on and you begin again right. and you have a compressed time to edit, you know? And so as I, when I got to a point where my son was gone and it was just me and I was doing this just for me and I decided to take more time with each book, I went from one year to two years and now I'm on three years and the reason that I do that really is not because I don't love writing just as much, but I, I now need more of a life to keep filled up. I need to see my son. I need to see my friends. I need to travel. I need to do a lot of things. And I have found that um, I'm a better editor and I'm a better writer when I walk away sometimes for a two-week yeah. vacation. 
Hmm. I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm still driven and dedicated and OCD and obsessed and all of those sorts of things. But I do have a lot more time in between now. Hmm. Oh, that is so inspiring. It really is. And I'm listening keenly. And, uh, you know, I was at dinner the, just over the holidays and jokingly, one of my son, my son-in-law said, oh, Mary, m- m- they call me Mambo. <laughs> <laughs> You're addicted to work. Yeah. Oh, I'm wow. sorry, but that was not, a, I don't want to be addicted yeah. to work, but I think it's because we all work so hard, so many hours and, and we love what we do. It's not like we're drudging it. It's so I started turning to, as a reprieve for myself. I just started turning off unplugging in the mornings mm-hmm. and it's, it's been rough. You know, I, I'm sure I irritate a lot of people because I miss things, but it's the only way I can get any kind of sanity back mm-hmm. for myself. And I'm going out more, getting back outdoors, which is so important. So unplugging has been yeah. a help. Yeah. yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. And, and the, you know, the thing is, the truth is I would rather write than almost do anything. I mean, mm, I know I love the problem. Writing. And when writing is going well, you know, you it's like skydiving. You're on top Nothing of the world. Better. And it is. I think you get addicted to that feeling of how fun that's this it. job can be. That's yeah, it. That's, that's so true. true. Mm-hmm. You know, I had not an unexpected snow day today, but an unexpected sunny day. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm down at Tybee and uh it was 71 degrees. And I'd been working all morning and I just told my husband I am gonna go walk out onto the beach and sit there (laughs) for 15 minutes and get my vitamin C, which I think it's actually you get vitamin D, Patty. Do you get vitamin D from from this one? The only medical You guys did something that I was watching, um, you know, in my stocking of friends and fiction. And I can't remember when this was, but you did like a, like a, we will write together every morning. Yeah. yeah, Writing sprints. Writing sprints. And and I have to say, I have found uh, that sort of uh, impetus from friends. I have one girlfriend in particular. And, you know, if, if someone doesn't produce, we want to know why. And <laughs> yeah, it, totally it's a true. great motivator to get something done because we all know that that not all your pages are great, that not yeah. all your games are yeah. great. But even, you know, when you look back months later on a day that was the worst day possible and you were pushing a rock uphill you can't tell that page from the, the page so on the day you were flying. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's a great tip for new writers, you know, to find someone that that they can be a partner with and be an encourager with. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah. accountability, I think, is it has has been a great part of um, the success that we found. Yeah. Uh, that was sort of one of those unexpected gifts we found in the midst of yeah. the um, the pandemic. Yeah. Although I remember, Kristen, you said you were going to pull out the whip and start the group again. I, I think know. I, 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 sorry, I think we should. I, I, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. Oh, man. I, I know. Tomorrow I, morning. I need to. Tomorrow well, morning, you, 7 o'clock. 
But, uh, all right. I, hey, I'm on. I'm I'm there sitting down every day. I'm just so worried I'm going to bother you guys. But yes, okay, we need to start doing that again. You know, um, I, I've had a real struggle with the with the taking time off. Um, it, it's. I, I used to be better about this. Um, I used to say, you know, weekends are for my family unless I absolutely have to work. And this pandemic has really thrown me for a loop. I, I mean, yeah. as you as you all know, I, I've talked about this before, uh, or, I, you know, as some of you may know, um, I, I have a five-year-old and he's not in school right now. And so I've lost all those hours that used to be my writing hours, which makes me feel like I have to make up for them elsewhere. So I'm getting yeah. up at like five or six in the morning to write every day. I'm writing in the evenings. And, and I'm like on Sunday, I worked a 13 hour day. I mean, I just, it's like in finding places to fit the hours in, I've lost the ability to turn it off also. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I need to go back to the, this episode and listen again to what Kristen said. Um, yeah. because I, you know, I, I, you're right. I mean, you're a better you and you're a better writer mm -hmm. if you can live that life outside of your books also. So I need to learn to be better at doing that. I, yeah. Well, it's a it's a big difference doing it with no kids in the house and doing it with a five-year-old. huge difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was that when, when my son was, you know, your child's age, I was exactly like you. I mean, I did that for, you know, 20, 20 years probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. It took a long time for me to get to the point where um, I don't know. I mean, in some ways you have to say, I'm prepared to disappoint everybody. Yes. And yeah. Yes. That's a hard thing. Yeah. That's so true. Ooh, that's a line I have to remember. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a lot of, oh, I'm getting a lot of lectures this week from my family. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I to yeah. Back. yeah, I mean, you're right, Kristen. All of, all of the Kristens are right. <laughs> as as we usually are, as you usually are. I don't know. The MAs are the, we're doing pretty good. They, they have a MKMA. But there is something about you know. I also think there's something about not really being able to go anywhere. It's like we've lost our time. It's yes. not like yes. we're going out with friends or we're you know. I mean, yeah. maybe minimally, but not like we used to be. So your Correct. weekends yeah. and your weekdays right. are just all they run together. And I think in some ways. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but I think writing has kind of been the thing that has like saved us a little bit. It's been our, it's been our um, life preserver, 100%. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, that what you just said, Christy Woodson Harvey, I'm using everybody's full name because this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, 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 the days blending together, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. we can't. We used to have these more structured. This is when I travel. This is when I go on yes. vacation. This is, yes. And it's been much easier in this time to get off balance mm -hmm. yeah to work too yeah. much because yep. we're you know, stuck anyway the other thing too i think patty is that the thing that that several of you are doing now um you know particularly Kristen and christy as you're um doing like one book a year right the the discipline that you learn from that is yeah. life-changing you know, it's hard and and you always feel like you're letting something go or something isn't quite right or you're going in too early or you're not editing long enough. All yes. of these you know, build up on your shoulders and everyone wants the book now, now, now. And and you learn this skill set, which is you can write fast. Yeah, yeah that's you get to the point where you can write fast, but you can also put some time into it. Um, 
it's kind of life changing, but I think you have to learn the, the whole skill set first. I agree. Yeah, and, and there's a confidence that comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. And a reliability, yeah. you and know, a reliability yeah. for yourself and, and your publisher mm-hmm. and, and everybody. Yeah. Such a good point. Okay, good Kristen, point. Kristen Hannah, <laughs> you must be floating on air this week with all the number one things. So tell us about the four wins. How do you describe the novel when someone asks you about it? Well, I've hardly been asked about it in the last couple of weeks. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is anybody even reading it? At least anyone's <laughs> read the book. No one's heard Why of it. Why don't we tell everybody about this novel that's just out called The Four <laughs> You know, it's one of the weird things about this is that, that here we are, you know, I'm in week three, I think. And, and thousands of people have read it. I mean, usually... I would go on a show like this three weeks in and like you guys would have read it. And yes, yes. so it's this whole new world to, to have the visibility uh, that this book, uh, you know, has had. And um, I certainly didn't see it coming. I don't, uh, you know, maybe someone did, but I don't think so. Um, it's this, you know, it's the, it's the lightning in a bottle that comes from the nightingale and the great yes. alone. And and all the things that we've talked about before, the right cover, the right packaging, the right month, you know, the right story at the right time. And, you know, this was a this was a scary book to bring out in the middle of a pandemic. Um, But it was all you know, I turned it in before the pandemic hit and, and I worried who is going to want to read a book that talks about you know, resilience in the face of such hardship. Um, but I guess I got lucky. Turns out I think it's exactly it very, what we need. Every person in yeah. the world. It's the yeah. book we all need. <laughs> no, that's true. It's exactly what we needed at the right time. And I think sometimes that's the serendipity or even being a little prescient as an author mm-hmm. that you are, you pick something and when it arrives, the time is there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that kind of courage of choosing a book, I have loved the way you've had the courage to really decide what you, story you want to tell, and it's not genre specific. Mm-hmm. You just choose the story you want to tell. Alaska, The Great Alone, I tell you, that book haunts me mm-hmm. to this day. Same. It really does. Mm-hmm. And the World War II books. And now you moved on into the Great Depression. And the fact that you never put yourself in a box is really, like I said, courageous, but it's also inspiring. How do you, what does that kind of freedom feel like? You know, what, oh, what do you think about when you say I can write about anything I want and where is that going to take me? You know, honestly, Mary Alice, answer one is fear. Um, You know, because after a lot of years in genre and um, and writing a book that I became very comfortable with, um, I, I knew what my readership was going to be. I had a good mm-hmm. sense of what my reviews were going to be. Some were better, some were worse, um, but but I was comfortable in that space. Right. And yeah, right. I knew what readers expected from the kind of books that I was writing. You know, predominantly the ending but also the journey. And so when I sat down, you know, to, to specifically say no more, 
Now the whole world is open to you. You know, do you want to bring a fantasy element? Do you want to have an unhappy ending? Do you want to do time travel? You know, and and it it's scary. You know, it's scary because you're standing at the edge of the cliff and life's pretty good and you're still going to jump. And um, so, you know, it's I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy, obviously, that I did it. But every time it feels a little bit like reinventing the wheel. Yeah, I would think so, because you have to say, how am I going to tell this story now? Right. And I remember, you know, when I first, when I left genre, um, uh, uh, paperback romance, when I left paperback romance in 1990-whatever, and I went to this really great and terrifying Oz of an editor over at Random House, and, you know, we worked on a book called On Mystic Lake, which was my oh, sure. um, my hard Oh, cover. I love that book. Yeah, you yeah. guys remember that? Oh, my God, I love that. Book. Oh, yeah. And there was really no book like that out there then. You know, you could either be Danielle Steele and Laverle Spencer, or you could be Ann Tyler. And there was no room, you know, to be anything else. And yeah. I remember my editor saying, Kristen, if you write three books like this, you can write anything you want. You can go anywhere. Oh, you wow. Wow. And at the fourth book, she said, okay, just three more. All you need to do is <laughs> three more books like this. And then yeah. it was three more books like this. Yeah. And but success I, begets success. I just realized that, that I simply had to say, I'm done. And I had to, I walked away from a publisher I walked away from a contract. I walked away from everything to say, I'm going to try something and, you know, we'll just see how it goes. So I took Bravo, my dear. money um, to, to sort of reinvent myself. And that's Firefly Lane. Yeah. Awesome. You know, you know, Kristen, I, uh, Kristen and I um, have the same editor and I um, left a house I loved and an editor I loved because I, it just felt like time. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I went, I told you the story, Kristen, I went to see this incredible editor that we share editor slash publisher, Jen Underlin. And I had my, my agent was with me and they had put um, Firefly Lane on the coffee table in Sally Richardson's office. And my agent Stuart looked at me and he pointed to that jacket and he said that's what a house that understands you and a editor that understands not 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 understands not what you've been doing but what you could do yeah the potential it's amazing how how revolutionary that cover is now you know within a year there were a hundred of them all right But it was like, wow, so you're saying you can be romantic and and somewhat serious at the same time. And that, you know, female relationships matter as much as a love story. And that was pretty revolutionary back then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I figure have figured out I don't maybe you share this this concept that if it doesn't terrify you, why are you doing it with writing? Absolutely. You said that last time you came on the show because I was thinking about writing something that terrified me and I did. So thanks. 
It might awesome. be bad. And if it it's is, not. that's on you. It's not. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard because the whole industry, I mean, we're very lucky. Like, like Mary Kay said, we have Jen Enderlin, who is, I think, um, unbelievable and embracing and, and, um, and thoughtful, but the whole industry is designed to sell books and women uh, writing for women and especially kind of a genre field. I remember one editor said to me one time, you know, but you guys keep the lights on and, and yeah. you understand that it's very important that these books come out and they come out with big numbers. And so when you say, I choose not, I choose not to be certain that I will sell. You know, it's it scares them as much as it scares you. It scares and, yet, and yet we look around us and it's very difficult for genre to really hit the big numbers without some kind of a breakout element. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you've I think you've kind of shown the way, um, not just with this book, but um, the last two. But, you know, this book, it's so immersive. I could taste the grit and the dust. Yeah. Yeah. Drank a lot of water. Yeah. I wish you would talk about I, I read somewhere that the photo, that a photo kind of inspired you. And was that a Dorothea Lang, one of those Dorothea Lang uh, farm security farm security administrative administration photos? Was that <laughs> sort of the touch point for you for four wins there was a photo there's a photo called um the woman of the high plains and it is i think i posted it on instagram a while ago if maybe you, that's what i saw yeah yeah and and it was impossible to look at this woman and not see you know everything i love in a story you know she's right. she's scared she's a you know she's nervous she's desperate and yet she's standing tall. She's looking out towards some future. And I just knew looking at her that that she was a mother standing there trying to figure out which direction do I go to save my children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's it's hard to do better than that. And, right. and the thing I will say, I think that that the reason these books are selling so well, like from Nightingale on is because I combine a genre sensibility with sort of deep emotion and a lot of research. And so the book the books feel big and, and epic and sweeping and emotional and all those things. But they also, even for their length, they move. You know, I believe in a book that that you have to keep turning the pages. And um, I think that's a that's an area that I really believe is is opening up um, because yeah. people love books that make them feel something, and and that's what we were trained to do. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Emotion so is the key. Yeah. yeah, so true. All right, so Kristen, each week you know we choose an independent bookstore, and this week you chose Liz Wellesley in Boston. And I want you to tell us real quick why you chose it. Oh, you know, I, I looked around. There's so many. I mean, as you guys know, there are so many yeah. wonderful, wonderful um, booksellers and indies and, and they need help right now. And so it was very, very difficult. But one of my best um, 
book events ever was in Boston. And I just love these guys. And I thought, <laughs> let's, you know, bring them into this uh, great event. Well, thank you for doing that. Books. That's awesome. Kristen, I assumed you chose them because I was born at the hospital, like just down the street from them. Yeah. No, that that wasn't it. I thought we were working Aww. on like a Kristen age wavelength. No, no, I did know that. Yeah, that's oh, okay, good. good. She so didn't funny. want the rest of us to feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to um, single any of us out yeah. with her love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they're a great bookstore, and they're offering us um, ten percent off of all of our upcoming releases, including Patty's beautiful surviving Savannah out in a couple weeks and yeah. as well as Kristen Hannah's The Four Winds um, in case there's anyone in the country who hasn't bought it yet but the uh, the discount code is FF10 so you get 10% off at their website and the links are on our Facebook page um, so speaking of The Four Winds here's what the New York Times said about it it seems eerily prescient in 2021 with its depression era tale of blighted land xenophobia fear of contagion, and determination to join forces and rebuild. Its message is galvanizing and hopeful. We're a nation of scrappy survivors. <laughs> We've been in dire straits before. We will be again. Hold your people close. Wow. I, I mean, I know. Yeah, that is, I, I can't even, first of all, I can't even imagine opening up the New York Times and seeing that. I mean, that's just so, that. how awesome. Yeah, yeah good, good for you, Kristen. But so as you know, I, I wrote to you and told you how much I loved the book. We all loved it so much. And I've been struck again and again this last year by the idea that historical fiction is so strangely relevant now, more relevant than ever. So that idea of yeah. being almost led into the future by recalling the moments of the past and the things that those moments of the past have taught us. I know you said you turned this in before the pandemic began, but did you have any idea how resonant this book would be for today? Maybe not just, you know, pandemic related, but, you know, just it, it feels kind of like the moment or the book we needed for this moment in time, mm -hmm. even, even removing the pandemic from the situation. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, do you think that readers are finding comfort in these stories from the past and, and why? Well, first of all, no, I'm really not that smart. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I was interested in ideas, climate change, um, environmental disasters, um, you know, how we treat each other, um, you know, how we look upon each other. I, those things were definitely what spoke to me. I did not I did not foresee, you know, the pandemic. I didn't, you know, see that <laughs> or anything. But I, but I have two things to say about that. One is that I think that we writers are like, like open individuals, and we look around and we see what's happening in the world. We have an opinion on it, and the way we express our opinions is often through our work. And so you go back, you know, like when I was writing um, The Nightingale, it never occurred to me that that it would feel as relevant as it did yeah. when it came out. And then I took on, you know, survival groups in Alaska and I and that became sort of relevant. And I think it's not so much, you know, that I'm that I see what's coming. It's that I see what is. And then I look back in history for a time that has something to say about where we are 
right now. And, you know, that's the thing about history. What's past is prologue. Everything has happened before. And and when you look at it, like you look at Surviving Savannah, you look at, um, there's a lot of books out right now. Jess Walters, This Cold Cold Millions. There's a lot of books that are dealing with the kind of disenfranchisement and fear (laughs) that we feel right now. And I think it's because, you know, in the last 10 years, this, um, this sense in America has been building and we are uh, responding to it in the way that, that we do best, hmm. which is yeah, trying, to, trying to, to, to say, like, I think the thing that the re- one of the reasons the four wins is so resonant with people is what it ultimately says is you can survive. We have been yes. through before. Mm-hmm. We have survived much worse than what we're going through right now, and we will survive again. Mm-hmm. And that's a message yep. I think that that we almost always need to hear. Yeah. But especially yeah. now. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. I, and and your book is just such a beautiful reminder of that. And I I love that idea of using the past to teach us lessons that resonate today. It's mm-hmm. incredible. And you do really write about these very universal themes, whether it's in, you know, these past three books or even looking back toward the past. I actually remember when The Nightingale came out, I came, my first book was getting ready to come out. Um, and I came to Quail Ridge to your signing and I remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be doing this one day. Um, and I remember you talking about Firefly Lane and how that was such a big breakout for you. And um, I've been thinking about that a lot with the huge success of the show and how even though it's years later, you know, these, these universal themes still are so resonant for us. And I think, you know, especially with Firefly Lane, but really in all of your books, you know, friendship is a lifeline for us in real life. And it is in these stories. And you also write so beautifully about the family that we choose for ourselves and how important that is. Can you talk to us a little bit about those themes in your novels? You know, let me just say first, before I get on to themes and remind me, because I will forget, um, (laughs) we are living in this moment that I don't know that I ever could have actually imagined 20 years ago or or 25 years when I started. Um, This moment where women's stories are front and center, you know, this this um, surge of women's. women's historical stories, you know, primarily, um, sorry, primarily, um, I'm so glad that was you and not us. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably your girlfriends, yeah, women. Primarily World War II, but, but I hope that, that, that The Four Winds is one of those books that opens up all of history, that reminds publishers and readers and everybody that that there's a lot of women's stories out there to tell Mm -hmm. and and we can move through a lot of um different times and and this is true you know we're seeing with firefly lane we're seeing on netflix we're seeing films like bridgerton you know series like bridgerton come out and and change the landscape and people are noticing that women buy books and women read and women watch series and and there are opportunities for us that I don't think we've ever had before. Right. Um, and it's most encouraging. Very a lot of writers out there, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean it's it's just great. And then with regard to you know um, the universal themes, 
that is something that from the very beginning um, has been sort of the hallmark of what I do. You know, what I'm trying to do always is to write a story about a specific woman or a specific relationship or a specific family, but I want it to feel like it's everyone. You know, I want you to feel like that's your mother-in-law, that's your sister, or it could be, because I think that in our universal experience, um, we sort of share a level of emotion that is just deeply powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, you know, I'm really pleased to see all of our stories mattering. I mean, look at how many of us are now hardcover. I mean, that just never would have happened 15 years ago. So I think that's showing how how much these stories are valued. Yeah. Yes. Well said. That's such a good point. Yeah, for sure. So we're supposed to remind you about theme. About no, what? She, she said it, right? I think she did. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, our, so our lives, our lives, as, as we've seen this year, our lives turn on a dime sometimes you know, from outside forces or sometimes in, when we change our own path on purpose. And in that extraordinary New York Times piece about you, you talked about how when you were growing up in California, you never wanted to be a novelist. But then your mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And in your third year of law school, everything changed. And then also when you decide to write The Nightingale, everything changed. So I want you to talk a little bit about those whys in the road. Sometimes they're from outside. Sometimes they're from inside choices. Huh. That's an interesting thing. I never would have put sort of those two stories together uh, in a single narrative. I think that I think that I was destined to be a writer. And I think my mother knew this in the way that we know our children. I mean, you know, we just know them that well. We know what their strengths yeah. are. And, and you know, she definitely put me on that path. And and I got to work the way I did in law school or, or undergrad or anything else. And it was about, it was 10 years before I thought to myself, you know, I might have talent at this. Maybe. Wow you know, maybe this is more than just hard work. And, and that was the moment when I started thinking to myself, okay, if, you know, you can do this now, you've written like 10 books, so you can write books, people like your books, um, you need to find out what you can do, you need to find out how, how good you can be. And, and that was sort of, that was the biggest change of all of them was trying to um, to just get better with every single book. Yeah, I just, there's always, I just thought it was fascinating looking at the whys in, in all of our lives. Yeah. And you had a big one at that point and then a big one at that point. And sometimes they're from the outside, your mom getting sick, yeah. and sometimes they're internally driven. But then we take that why in the road instead of trying to keep going straight. I think it's fascinating because in my books, I'm a pretend psychoanalyst, so I like to. Um, so we have reached the time where we get to hear from our community, and they love to chime in. So, Mary Kay. Yeah. Well, so Stephanie Brown, of course, <laughs> says I love all her books. She loved rereading Firefly. 
Oh. Because what a friendship and watching the Netflix series. And she's <laughs> she's enjoying the fashions and the flashbacks. <laughs> And, and, and this music, she wants to know, what is your favorite song from that era? Ah. You know, whenever I think of the 70s, I think Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It's oh, yeah. oh, I wouldn't have thought that was it. Oh, the first wow. album I ever, you know, I walked down with my own money, bought the album, probably listened to it, you know. Oh, I love that. And I'm so sure that, you got those boots, too, those oh. giant <laughs> Actually, I have them now, Mary Kay. I couldn't afford them then, but <laughs> okay. I love it. Let's show it, prove it. Let's put your foot up. And then Stephanie also wants to know: Are you more like Tully or Kate from Firefly Lane? I'm a Kate. I'm a Kate. In fact, Tully is what has been was always one of the most difficult characters for me to write because ah, she's outside wow. my comfort zone i don't know a lot of them um and so she was always you know i was always thinking oh don't go there don't go there and, <laughs> ah. uh, you know well i have a question from rhonda parrot okay. she says I have been a fan for decades. Oh. I have to admit, after reading your books, I feel so emotionally drained. Probably a half a box of Puffs Plus used. <laughs> so how do you feel after writing your books? Oh, oh I get goodness. this a lot. You know, everyone thinks that uh, I'm Kathleen Turner from Romancing the Stone, you know, where there's <laughs> Kleenex flying and a cat next to the typewriter and I'm sobbing at the end of my book, you know. <laughs> Um, it's actually not true. I'm, uh, I'm a very easy crier in life. I'm a very hard, um, crier in my own books. Mm -hmm. I have actually cried, um, while writing or, or in my own books two or three times. And when I'm likely to feel that way is when the books are in what we call page proofs. So no longer change it. I can no longer fix it. And for the first time, I read it as a reader, as as close as oh, I can yes. it. And so there was a scene in Nightingale that made me cry. Obviously, there's a scene in Firefly Lane that makes me cry. It's pretty close to home. And uh, those are the two biggies. Um, this one, this one has an ending that made me cry as well. Mm -hmm. mm. oh, that's Us too. So there you go. Yeah, yeah that's too. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Patty, are we moving away from the live questions? Yes, I think we are going to have to move along. Or, so go ahead, Kristen. Okay, perfect. So Kristen Hanna, other Kristen. Um, one of our favorite parts of our weekly show is receiving a writing tip from our guests. So we might pretend it's for our viewers, but really selfishly, it's for us. And poised and ready. Can you give us your writing tips? Gosh, you guys have probably gotten so many really great writing tips. Um, I mean, I, you know, there's all the don't quit, sit in the seat, don't get up, write your pages. You know, there's right, all right. that stuff. But let me say something that maybe somebody else hasn't said. Hmm. Okay, okay. So here's what I do. If 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 I'm sitting down, like when I when I am writing, like I'm sure you guys are, I am writing. There's no candle going there's no bath salts there's no soft lighting <laughs> to, to get me in the mood to write i just, you know, just the platform I mean, boots 
right? So, just yeah. the platform. Yeah. You just have to, you have to get it done. And so um, what I do in one of those days when I can't think of what to write, like I know where I have to be and I'm not there yet. And so there's this, this yeah. chasm in between where I am and where I need to be. And I can't quite figure out what to do. I just write description and bring each character onto the scene and see who says what. And oh, oh, somebody says something that sparks something. The other tip that I have that has really helped me in the last few years, in both Nightingale and The Four Winds, there's a prologue. That, and this prologue is designed to, to tell you sort of what this book is going to be, what the journey you're going on is. And you don't know who's speaking. And oh. I, as the novelist, did not know who was speaking. Uh-huh. And oh. I a whole book that. trying to figure out who said that and when did they say it. And so it kept me, um, it kept me from ever that. being really comfortable with what I was doing. Now, I that's something that. I've never heard before. I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. Great awesome. Tip. Absolutely. Thank you. So wow. next year's books, there will be five prologues. Five prologues. We're all gonna have a prologue. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Actually, that's awesome. I, I, we, hear, we tend to hear versions of writing tips and they're always fascinating, but I've never heard anything like that one. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Amazing. Well, in addition to writing tips, our um, our viewers always love to hear what our guest authors are reading. So do you have anything that um, you'd like to recommend for us? I do. Actually, I was going to hold up Surviving Savannah, but you guys totally stole my thunder here. <laughs> okay, we can, we can double me. <laughs> yeah, you can still say it. Well, now I'm I quoted the book. I loved it, Patty, as you know. So I'm super excited about that. But I am also holding up uh, Lisa Scottolini's. Oh, oh, yeah. um, yeah. Have you guys have right. Lisa on the show? Yeah. We're having her. Yeah. We're with yep. her in three weeks. April. Yeah. Uh, April's April. Right she mm-hmm. is more fun than is legal. I'm telling you. So <laughs> a great time. And, uh, you know, this is another one of those books where she's really stepped out, I think, of her comfort zone yeah. and, you know, is reinventing herself. And I always um, I just love books like that. Yeah. 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 She's awesome. awesome. Thank we you. We can't wait to read it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's interesting because for so long when you uh, were reading historic fiction about World War Two, it was like, okay, you're reading about the resistance in France or you're reading about wartime England. And now Lisa's kind of flipped the switch with this book in Italy. And I know um, my, our friend Jennifer Robson has also got um, a book uh, set in wartime. Yeah. Our darkest night set in wartime Italy. Right. But I wanted to talk about the book that I have been listening to because Tana French Oh. I'm going to do a podcast with uh, Kristen and I are going to do a podcast with Tana French next week. So I have been listening to, cause I've had these long drives and other stuff going on the searcher. And it's so, so good. Be- it's so beautifully written. Uh, it's such a powerful poetic 
story. And I have to admit, this is my first uh, book of hers. And it's an it's a one-off. She does this great Dublin Murder Squad series that I'm going to read now. But wow. Wow. The Searcher. Um, and I love a good audiobook. So thanks. Definitely want to yeah. pick that one. Yeah. yeah. And reader. that is a beautiful cover, honestly. When it that is. book popped up, it's like, wow. Okay, so we have Ireland, a few, which I'm Irish, so yeah. I was going to say can't hardly can go wrong with something no. on the Green Isle. Okay, so we have a few amazing things to tell you about, but stay with us because you don't want to miss our final question for Kristen Hannah. Yeah. And I'm going to ask everyone if you know about our podcasts. So not only are our weekly shows available for you to listen to, but now we have extra interviews like we just talked about. So go check it out. And this week, Patty and Kristen have an episode called Books About Books. And they're interviewing both Catherine Ray of the Printed Letter Bookshop and Janet, and I hope Skelsing Charles is, I hope I got the middle name right. Janet Skelsing Charles of the big bestseller that we're all excited about, The Paris Library. Yeah. And speaking of books, I would love to remind you about the bookstore, the indie bookstore we're supporting this week. Our independent bookstore of the week is Wellesley Books, locally owned independent bookstore in the Boston Burbs. <laughs> and uh, they are known for their welcoming staff and their great children's department, unique selection of gifts for all ages. And of course, tonight, not just tonight, but until we get tired of it or they get tired of us. Ten <laughs> percent uh, off um, with our books and of course Kristen's with the code FF10. And so um and that includes Kristen's Four Winds and Firefly Lane as well as our recent and upcoming books. So don't forget Wellesley Books. And I just wanted to say a big thank you again to our partners tonight. Um, Mama Geraldine's who are the maker of the country's best-selling cheese straw and my personal favorite, the pecan cinnamon cookies <laughs> and our partner page one books where real true book lovers hand curate selections that they know you will love and put them in a subscription box. So it takes a little bit of the guesswork out of buying. So um, we always love it when you support our partners and uh, we love them. So thanks to them and thanks to you guys for supporting them so wholeheartedly. Absolutely. And we wanted to remind you also about our book club, the Friends in Fiction official book club. Um, so they're doing amazing things. They're growing so fast. We've got Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner at the helm. This month, they're reading Mary Alice's The Book Club, which is just the perfect book club pick, right? <laughs> um, so you can take part in that. You can chat about it with Mary Alice. They're going to be meeting with her in the middle of March. Um, so you still have time to get the book and give it a read. So that's the Friends in Fiction Official Book Club on Facebook. And I also wanted to tell you before we get out of here um, that on Sunday, you're going to have another opportunity to go behind the scenes of books with us. We have author Julia Kelly, who recently released The Last Garden in England. She's going to be coming on Sunday at five Eastern to talk to us about setting. She lives in England. She writes about England and she does it fabulously. So join us Friday at five Eastern. And our guest next week on Wednesday night is hosted by Mary Kay Andrews and is the astounding Lisa Unger. Oh. And then the following week, I know, I'm so excited. And the following week, March 10th, we'll be having an outright party for Surviving Savannah's release. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> wait until you see what I have in stock. Kristen Hannah, yeah. you might just have to come back for the party. Oh, come you, back, Kristen. You, you should see what I have in store for these ladies. They don't even know yet, but we are going <laughs> on a journey. All right, Kristen Hannah, one more thing we really want to talk to you about. You have said that you consciously put your characters through really terrible things. Yeah. And in doing that, they find out who they really are. I just love that. You put them through terrible things so they can find out who they really are. And I feel like reading them, then we get to find out who we really are too. And I remember a discussion you and I had back when we could travel and hug and see each other in the world, where you told me that when you were writing The Nightingale, you were watching Breaking Bad. And it taught you something along these lines. So I want you to talk to everyone about that because I think it's fascinating. You know, it was one of those aha moments after writing 20 books or however many I had written. And um, and I was I was watching not only Breaking Bad, but Game of Thrones at the same time. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and it was transformative to realize like, wait a second, you can just keep upping the stakes. I mean, we all know that writing is about stakes. It's about conflict. We all know that. But I think I had gotten into a, a kind of a sensibility where the stakes were almost always emotional. And what Breaking Bad ah. taught me and what Game of Thrones taught me is no, they can be physical. It can be, oh my gosh, the car crashed, you know, things that come out of left field and change the whole paradigm. And, and I, yeah. and in fact, a girlfriend of mine, um, some of you know, Jill Marie Landis. Oh, Jill. Oh. Still one of my besties. Oh, great. She read a very early draft of the Nightingale and she gave it back to me and she said, make it worse. We're watching, oh. you know, make it worse. And, wow. and that was when I like brought in the second Nazi and, and the whole end of the book changed. And so I'm constantly now thinking, make it worse, make it be as difficult as it as it can possibly be so that people can get to the very heart of who they are. That's wow. That's awesome. writing tip number two. <laughs> I know. I well, when, that. when, yeah. That's cool. I love it. When you told me that, it kind of shifted, and you probably see it in Surviving Savannah, like the peril, yes. the constant peril, right? And this idea, it, it did. When we talked about that, it shifted things for me. And what I think is great is not only does it um, reveal who your characters are or who they can be or who they'll become, but when we're reading it, we get to say, what would I have done? Right. Yeah. Who would have I have become? But Who also, am I in that kind of subject? And you, know, also you also, um, you also, as a reader, start thinking to yourself, where is this going? I mean, remember yeah. when the great, at the end of the first season of Game of Thrones, when they kill the hero? I mean, to me, yeah. that was this moment where you're like, okay, all bets are off. Yeah. This <laughs> yep. program will go anywhere. They will do anything. And you never get to sit back and think, I know what's going to happen. And and I think oh, yeah, bringing yeah. that into fiction is is huge. It is. And people like to not to be surprised and not to be yes. able to predict what that ending is going to be. So the more you throw at them, the more they're, they're glued. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, Kristen, 
Thank you so much for talking to us. I wish we had another hour. It's yeah. so much fun I know. talking to you. So fun. Well, I and thank you for talking to the party if I can. Okay. <laughs> oh, we would love it. We would love it. But you, this extraordinary month in your life, and you came to talk to us. So thank you for your inspiration. Thank you, so thank you for talking about changing your life. Thank you for talking about writing tips. You're you're incredible. We so loved having you. Thanks well, for coming. I have to say me. I am, you know, so admiring of what you guys have done and how you oh, pitched you. in in the in the pandemic to help other writers and to support independent bookstores and. You know, I think a lot of people sat around and said, boy, I sure would like to do that. And I sure would like to help people. But you guys actually did. And um, so kudos to you. If I wasn't out of champagne, I would cheers you. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, Kristen, it's been a blast. To be honest, Kristen, (laughs) we've had so much time talking to the authors and you're a favorite. We're so glad you you came. You are. Thank you for being with us. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Congratulations. And we hope for some more number ones next week. I don't know what else it could be. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know what else. Don't make us wait three years. They're going to have to start creating some more number ones for Kristen to be a part of because life's just going to get a little bit mundane. There's like really nowhere to go. No pressure, but thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay, y'all. Run out or stay put for our after show and click at Wellesley Books and grab the four wins. Pre order any of ours. Join Friends and Fiction on our Facebook page, YouTube, and Parade.com's Facebook page. Give our podcast a listen and now with original new interviews. And don't forget, we're on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us. And that is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Good night. How oh, my gosh. That was Let's bring her back here so we can just talk with her. I know. She's She's amazing. Good Lord. Okay. We ended at one hour and one minute. I was like, okay, okay. Okay. (laughs) So good. Excellent hosting. Yes, it was so good. And you know, it's, it's Kristen Hanna. So you can, we can go a few minutes long, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure people would have stayed to listen to her for another hour. Yeah, that's why I wish she was here with us now. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we'll bring her back. We'll have we'll bring her for the parties. We'll bring her for the good stuff. I I love how at the end she brought it around. Hey, Um, Kathy, you're Mary Kay. You're muted. I can hear. I can see your lips moving. Oh, sorry. Kathy, Mary Kay, her lips were moving, but okay, go ahead, Kristen. What were you saying? I was just saying, I love how she brought it around in the end to something that kind of circled back to the four winds, that idea of finding out who you are in the greatest times of darkness. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, she was talking about breaking bad Mm -hmm. and all, you know, all the bad things being thrown at you and upping the stakes, but really what that is, is plunging us as deeply into the darkness as we can go, because that is when you find out what you're made of. Um, Ooh, and I love, really I love bad. how that connects to the four winds. And I like, I really like how it connects to where we are today in, in February of 2021. You know, if I'm like good enough with knowing who I am, can we like go back to the light for a while? <laughs> <laughs>
I know. Yeah. I'm so ready. Let's follow that. Line. I've had I mean, the blue sky today was so great. Uh, oh, yeah. Today was magic. It really was. It was a beautiful oh. day. You know, I can remember um, when I was trying to start writing um, my first book and then on into that, someone said to me, and of course, I started out writing mystery and they said, okay, what you need to do is to create um, uh, conflict for your character. Have your character be chased by a bear and have the bear chase your character up a tree and then cut down the tree. <laughs> and that's I feel like that's kind of like, yeah, what she's saying. I feel like that's kind of what, like what she's saying. I think back to, um, I, I, I think I have a clue about what she was talking about with, with um, the nightingale. It was like, what, how could I make anything any worse? Well, put a Nazi in the house. It's always makes that. a little worse. <laughs> Move a Nazi, a horny Nazi. <laughs> right in, in there. Into the house and then see what happens. I remember, you know, one, time one, I, writer talking, I, I remember one writer talking about how, during one of the many we listened to, her tip was, it was when you box a, a, a character or your hero in a corner, and they absolutely have, you can't let them sneak out. There is no way for them to go. That's when they make not just a choice, but they make a moral choice. Yeah. And it's that morality that decides if they deserve to get what their hearts desire or not. And I think that's like the one, two punch of giving everything, mm -hmm. throw it at them, but they have to reveal that they're deserving to win at that mm -hmm. point too. Yeah. Kathy, I, or Mary Kay, I just have to point out, though, that um, I spent an entire year writing a novel about a forest, and never once did you tell me to cut down a tree. I'm just yeah. telling you, I, I, I think you were holding that advice back for me. <laughs> <laughs> I literally could have cut down a whole lot. You are so, <laughs> so funny tonight. You're like, I'm like <laughs> laughing like Ed McMahon back here. <laughs> and I was thinking, too, when Mary Kay was talking about how Lisa Scottolini and Jennifer Robson went to Italy, you went to Poland. For yeah, you. Yeah, so you, yeah, you, yeah, you flipped it up too in the World War II genre. And you know, the other thing, uh, Jenoff, uh, the woman in the blue star is is also set in Poland. So I think it's oh, wow. And, and yeah. she's actually been writing about oh, Poland I for a while. I, I think she she lived there for a little while, and yeah, um, you know, she worked yeah. for um. State Department. Yep. Pam is a, a a lawyer by training, and she worked for the State Department. And she was sent to Poland to work on um, reparations. World oh, War II. Wow. So um, she has a lot of background there. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, I'm old enough to remember, and back in the day when, for historicals, it was England. Right. Don't yeah. go to France. Don't go to Italy. <laughs> Certainly don't go to Poland. Stay in yeah. England. And look at what's yeah. happening now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to brag, but I've gone from Peachtree Bluff to Cape Carolina. So <laughs> I, mean, I was like... <laughs> I've gone from South yeah, Carolina to North Carolina. Carolina. I went like <laughs> over a bridge. I mean, I'm staying it was a pretty home. big deal. It was, a, it was a big leap, but I, yes. but yes. y'all were there for me the whole time. Yep. I tell you, when I go in the mountains, it's like, ooh, is anyone going to read the book? <laughs> Don't go to the mountains. went from um, uh, England 
-hmm. Back to Savannah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Back to yeah. England. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah. But with surviving Keep jumping Savannah. back and forth across the pond. Yeah, yeah. but with surviving Savannah, you're going to yeah. go back to sea. See, yep. that's right. Your descriptions of Savannah in this book are just magical. Yeah. I and mean, they really are. Like they just make you, you I'm like, oh. like I mean, I've you, you know it. been to Savannah, but just seeing Savannah through your through your pen is absolutely and and you know, in the present, the present and the past, not, yes. you know, it's, it, you no. get to see it kind of through two different points of view, which is incredible. Oh, like, but you I know, it was amazing. Patty and I were down on river street, what, three weeks ago, Patty. Mm -hmm. And it was, I mean, the book surviving Savannah starts out on a hot summer day, but we're standing. Yeah. We're standing on river street, which was where the wharf would have been in the day. And looking out at uh, the river and the boats, the ships going out. And it was kind of like, oh, my God, time time stood still a little bit there. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, it's it makes me think me. like if you put vellum, you know how you put vellum over yeah. those books where the past goes over the, the present. What were you saying, Mary Alice? Sorry. Well, the part for me, though, I mean, I read a couple times, actually, is, is we knew it was going oh. to have an explosion. But it was, I was nail biting. I mean, when she, you knew what was coming, then you'd switch time. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to change time. And the ankle. Oh, God, I can't. I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Know, it was I like, know. cut the tree down. She cuts the tree down. Does yeah, cut she the does tree cut the tree down. <laughs> That's Very down a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got it. I got you know, the advice. I got. I, I didn't have to get the advice that a shipwrecky, like all the trees are cut down. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. The forest is gone. I know. When I when they were on that, clinging to that thing, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so hot. I'm so thirsty. I'm so <laughs> thirsty. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> I know. Sunburned. I know. Okay, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Okay. Oh, can right. I? I will. Sorry. I was just going to say, I had a book I wanted to recommend and I didn't, but it like so relates to what we're talking about. And it's nonfiction, which I know we don't normally do, but and you'll probably saw this because I think it's like number one right now, but um, Believe It by Jamie Kern Lima came out this week. And you want to talk about a woman whose like real life story has been the bear chases you through the forest and then you get up the tree and then they cut the tree down. Like that is her life. And she has built like this just one of the biggest cosmetic brands in the world and has oh. been so successful, but she's just an amazing person. She did all, she's been doing all these lives all week with like Tony mm -hmm. Robbins and Chrissy Metz and oh, all these God. people. Mm -hmm. And it's been really incredible, but her story is so great. And I just, um, it, it, there were just things that, that Kristen was saying tonight about, you know, reinvention and what we yeah. all do and getting and being in the darkness and kind of coming back out of it. That really, it was like a good thing to read right now. It just makes you feel sort of like uplifted and like, I can do this. Yeah. In the I beginning of your book, Christy, there is a character who loses everything and starts a cosmetic company. Is it based on her? No, I didn't even, I didn't even know about her. Oh my God. Oh. I know. Kind of wow. weird. You know, that is really strange, isn't it? <laughs> is yes. Strange. Serendipity again. There's that. You're, you're there all it channeling. Is. I have telling you. That happens. I think it happens so often. I was, yeah. when, when Kristen was talking about um, the stories that kind of come to you, and I think as writers, it's important for us to have our antenna out. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes, you know, I think your antenna just kind of 
quiver and um I think we should I I think it'd be interesting for all of us to talk about a time um when our antenna kind of went ding 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 yeah um and I you know I think we'll probably talk about that when we're talking about surviving savannah yeah. and everybody else's book but um I'll tell you what time I, I would love for it just for like one minute, because we're all starving. We've all been. I was going to say, <laughs> but yes, let's do a lightning round. Go. Um, some uh, uh, an antenna moment. I, uh, you know, I love antiquing, and I'm on all these websites. And I saw on an auction site um, a portrait, a beautiful portrait of a woman who turned out to be uh, an Irish heiress. And her portrait was sold at auction in Atlanta. And I got so intrigued with it. And I, I kept, I, I sent it to Patty and I sort of looked, uh, I sort of got sucked into it. And I thought some, at some point I'm going to Ireland and I'm going to write about this portrait and how, you know, over the years it came to be in a house in Atlanta. Now, everybody else, tell me your antenna moment. Go, Christy. Okay. Um, I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's just the after show, and it's just us and like a thousand of our closest friends, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> um, so when we evacuated for Hurricane Florence, we went to Biltmore, yeah. and we were touring Biltmore State, and I went home, and I started reading about Edith Vanderbilt um, because they just don't say like a ton about her, you know? Um, and there's not much written about her. And I started doing a little digging and I was like, Oh my God, like she basically saved all of this, like the estate and the family. And the reason that all of this is still here is because of her. And I was like, God, someone should really write a story about her. Someone should. So that's all I'll say. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Mysterious. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How about you, Mary Alice? Oh, you're muted, Mary Alice. Nope, still. We can't, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. Well, you're trying to fix it. Kristen, tell us real quick. Antenna moment. Might have been um, when I was researching The Sweetness of Forgetting, and I had all these storylines, and the final one that fell into place that made the book what it is, um, is I just stumbled across in the research the story of the Grand Mosque of Paris and how Muslims and Christians had worked together to help save Jews. And it was this moment that fell into my lap and that shaped the whole story. Um, and it, it felt like it had been delivered to me on a silver platter by fate. And, and all I had to do was accept yep. that gift and, and then dig. Um, and, and it became not just a core of that story, but a core of, um, I, I feel like I've written in some way about religion and, and how um, we're connected, even if we're different religions since then. Mm -hmm. it, it kind of set me on that journey. So yeah. Oh, oh, I have chill bones. <laughs> you're unmuted. Right, I hope you can hear me now. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Now we can hear you. Oh, yeah. yay. Okay. I, I remember I usually have a species, as you know, and I already have planned out, but I had gone up like Christy was it was Hurricane Irma and I'd escaped 
the hurricane with my PTSD of hurricanes. And I went to this farm to, to hide out while I was trying to work with rescue horses, which was the animal. And it wasn't working. You know, sometimes it just isn't clicking. And while I was there, we were helping out all the, there were 300 plus horses that had come from the South to the Tryon Equestrian Center to stay. And so we're, we're mucking stalls and feeding horses. And we're just all these women hanging together in this house, working together. And here we are one night and Laura Rumbauer's wife was there. She was, she was there and I, the music was playing and we're all filthy, dirty. We're making a big pot of spaghetti and we're laughing. And I saw the mother and daughter and the new baby and the dogs barking. And I looked around and I thought, wait a minute, this is the story right here. Yeah. Uh, this this coming together to help people. Mm-hmm. And usually I ha- it's much more planned, but that I changed the book and that was the summer guests. Wow. Completely different. Awesome. It was it was a nice moment. Mm-hmm. How about Patty? It is. It's when crazy. Did your, when did your antenna go up? <laughs> when did my antenna? You know, I think it's 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 crazy. I, I think we can tell when we turn our antenna off because we feel like we're not getting any yeah. ideas. But yeah. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I mean, it, it was and we'll talk much more about this in two weeks. But one of the craziest things that happened to me when I was writing Surviving Savannah is that um, I was trying to decide whose point of view to tell it from. And I was telling it from one woman's point of view. And the shipwreck hunters found her luggage tag that's just oh yes i know that and it's the only luggage tag yeah and it's the only luggage tag they have found make that up it's crazy you cannot make that up that's i think the the heavens coming down and pulling that out and saying just going you're in you're going the right way keep going all right y'all are amazing thank you for tonight that was so good night good night night. you did great thanks everyone out there bye guys Bye. Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.